Welcome back to the Facts About Packs. It's Michaela Isler and Adam Belmar for another unplugged edition of the number one pack podcast in America. Facts unplugged. Well, at least that's what they're calling it on the interwebs, Adam. Nice. I did not know that. See, you learn something new every time you hit play on this podcast. Stick with me, Belmar. Fair enough. Since our first unplugged podcast was such a success, I thought we could take a few minutes maybe, Adam, uh, to speak about NABPAC and what our association does really for and on behalf of our members. We provide a lot of resources, and I think it'd be helpful to kind of look at sort of holistically uh, how we operate as an organization. Absolutely. I mean, this podcast is produced especially for our members. And for those of you who are listening who aren't NABPAC members, maybe it's time. Michaela, I know as part of your team, we really have five core areas of responsibility at NABPAC, right? You know, that's exactly right, Adam. And I think, I don't know, it might be helpful just to kind of reiterate for our listeners, you know, what NABPAC's mission really is. Our mission is really to be the premier association empowering the business pack and political affairs community. We are the sole national trade association that advocate and defend and professionalize the PAC profession. And we do that in a number of ways. And as you said, you hit it right on. We have five really core areas of responsibility, including our advocacy work, which is really why we exist. But we also have spent a lot of time over the years really helping our members with communication best practices, fundraising best practices, whether you're a corporation, a trade association with corporate members or a trade trade association with individual members, those tactics can be a little different. There's some crossover, but there can be some differences. We have a whole focus on legal and compliance since, as everyone knows, who runs a PAC, this is, you know, something you can't get wrong, truthfully. And uh, sort of a newer bucket for us and core area of responsibility that came out of our task force work over the last three years is our diversity, equity, and inclusion strategic initiatives. And and so we have these five core areas of responsibility, and we really execute on those in any number of ways, Adam. Well, I'm thinking about the very top one that you mentioned, advocacy. For almost as long as PACs have existed, NABPAC has been there to stand up for our industry. It's an innovation that makes a lot of sense. It enfranchises people, small donors from across the business community to be able to make their voices heard. And defending that right has always been something that NABPAC has done so well. And that advocacy ultimately requires, what, that second bucket, which is communication. Yeah, absolutely. So that, you know, when we talk about communication, there's so many facets of that, right? So we help our members not only with their internal communications, both with executives, their C-suite, also with their eligible employees, but really all employees or members of an organization just in our good government, civic, you know, engagement activities. And so those all are sort of specific communication skills, but also really how to communicate what is a PAC. What's your elevator pitch? How do you explain what it is that we do to even outsiders, to elected officials, to others in the community? And what are the real benefits? We talk a lot about our members represent, you know, millions of employees across this country and really are in every single congressional district that we have. And so uh, that's a far reach that we have. We have a real responsibility to be speaking about the issues of importance to the PAC community and why we should be involved. Well, every one of the PAC managers who's been a part of this podcast over the last two years has been telling their own journey, their own story of how they come to better connect with everybody else 
in their solicitable class? What are the commonalities? How do we better give them information to help them figure out who the candidates are? What are the issues? And how do you get out there and vote? So we're helping as a national association, everybody on the advocacy front, giving best practices and actionable ways to improve your communications. But ultimately, make no mistake, fundraising is at the heart of every PAC manager's mission. It's also one of those core buckets for us at NEPAC. Yeah, this is a core function um, and you can't have a PAC without fundraising. And so how do you break through the noise? How do you focus on the right message? Which employees are you targeting? It kind of ties back into the legal and compliance. We have very strict rules and regulations around who we can speak to and who we can't uh, to solicit to raise funds for the PAC. And so bringing in practitioners who you know have either been doing this for a long time or, or who have been very innovative and creative in their fundraising, who have seen something that really has made a difference uh, this is what we do. We bring every, we convene our members and we bring you together to hear from your peers. We bring in outside experts and we really help our members try to put together the best program for their organizations. So in the time that we've been doing this Facts About PACs podcast, Michaela, sure, the world around has changed. COVID just changed everything with regard to where you were doing your work from. And for so many practitioners, it changed the way that you could both collect funds from your members and distribute them. And we've had a lot of best practices that have surrounded technology innovations. But ultimately, for me, the stories that I hear from young members who are really innovating in finding the right time and way to bring people together for activities that make sense, that are enjoyable, that affirm their community, those are the ones that are always making me excited when we get those stories. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's always good to have uh, fresh ideas and, and new thought that comes in and uh, you know, the next generation is a, an area that we have focused on here at NAPAC. We've had a next gen task force. We've really tried to tap into the younger generation for creative and innovative ideas. But at the same time, you know, there's some of us that have been around a long time and there's some things that just work and we know they work. And, and sometimes you don't have to change everything to fix it. But again, Adam, it really does go back to understanding your organization, the mission and values of your organization and understanding your donors and your employees, your members, first and foremost. You know, for a lot of people who are in our industry, the legal and compliance side can be a remarkable chore. I mean, baked into transparency, and we know this, is making sure that every T is crossed, every I is dotted. And the rules are very easy to define and adhere to at the federal level. And of course, state rules vary across our nation. So keeping an eye on the ball and helping successful programs keep their legal and compliance house in order, that's another one of our major buckets at NAPAC. Yes, so we, are, we take a lot of pride in our legal hotline that uh, we are so fortunate to have Carol Laham, uh, one of the senior partners from Wiley Ryan, premier election law firm in D.C., uh, you know, Wiley has been with us really since the beginning of our founding in 1977 uh, and has provided just incredible legal guidance and insights to our members. And so as a member of NAPAC, we have our legal help hotline and our members can reach out to Carol to ask a lot of any question really about their PAC program. I think one thing we heard Adam on one of our previous episodes with Peter Sherman from DDC is that, you know, on one hand, at the federal level, 
you know, nothing's really changed. I mean, there's been very little changes to the rules of the road at the federal level. But what is interesting is the very, there, there's a lot of new faces that come into this position. And so while the rules haven't changed, there's a lot of new folks that just don't have the background on campaign finance. And so having that sort of 101 as a sort of at the ready for the influx of new PAC managers that come into the system is just so beneficial not only just to their organizations, but to them as a professional development opportunity. Essentially, what we're talking about here is institutional knowledge. Every day, I see a list almost as long as my arm of new PACs. Okay, how many of those are employee-funded and business trade association PACs? If you're paying attention, a lot of them are. New people are coming in from other places. Younger folks have great opportunity to move up within a pack and making sure that we pass the institutional knowledge along and continually re-educate all of ourselves about how to do this well and effectively and stay proper as we do it is as crucial as the things we already talked about, our own advocacy and our own fundraising. It's funny. If I had a dime for every time someone called me and said, I just got told I'm going to run the pack or someone just told me, oh, hey, you're just going to be the you're just going to run the administrative function of this pack. I'd be worth a lot of money today because we all kind of got our start that way. And a lot of people get thrown into this and don't really know exactly what they're stepping into. And so um, it's it's great for us to be able to be that sort of connection to not only the legal and compliance and getting them just yesterday. Someone in that exact situation is now connected with Carol Laham, uh, and they're off to the races. But, you know, really now they're able to be plugged in. They can learn about the best communication strategies, fundraising strategies, and all the things that they really would not have anywhere else. We're kind of a, a one-stop shop, if you will. That is correct. And our website, newly revamped holds a tremendous amount of this knowledge and things that we've put together, but it's dynamic. This podcast and all of the great programs that we do and bring our members together in is what makes NAPAC such a valuable place. All of that personal time invested by our own members in each other, which really kind of brings us to that fifth bucket, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion. While this is something that's a watchword for so many organizations, we've taken the time with our membership to start to think about what does it mean in the PAC space? Now, obviously, broad brush, we want to bring more people that are reflective of our entire society, our colleagues, our workforce, all of it into our PAC so that we can be more aligned and representative of each other. But when we're building equity and we're bringing in inclusion, it takes a conscious effort. And that's what we hear even this week, Michaela, when our very own Tracy J. Edmonds convened a great resource group for NABPAC members. We talk about that for a minute. Yeah, I was just going to say yesterday we had a, a pack lunch and, and we've talked about, you know, this is being our second in-person lunch uh, since the pandemic. We had really, again, record turnout and, and the topic was about diversifying your pack. And one of the things as an organization that we set out to do three years ago is to really be a resource for our members and how to diversify their pack operations. And, you know, just yesterday we were able to tie all of this together and you know, being that convener, we all were together, being that resource, troubleshooting communication challenges, how do we manage up uh, in some difficult conversations? Um, how do we manage through a lot of these social issues that can be very divisive within an organization? Um, we had an, not only Tracy J, but we also had two 
PAC practitioners um, who do also happen to co-chair our DEI task force, but both have been, you know, extremely proactive for many, many years, not just because of um, the aftermath of George Floyd's murder, but because this is the future and, and this has to be a focus for all of us. We've got to build a pipeline and we have to have that diversity of thought and view if we're going to succeed in the future. For everybody who's listening who's not a member of NAPAC, it is a place where you will be amazed at how many people like John Mason and Kevin Cameron and our current president and all of our past presidents are so selfless in spending their time and reinvesting in our space and in the individuals who are coming up through it. The National Association of Business Political Action Committees has been around for a long time, represents great value, Michaela, because we focus on the things that matter to our members. That's right. And I think, too, we've provided a number of avenues for our members to tap into these opportunities. It used to be before the pandemic, really kind of a monthly luncheon, uh, you know, and, and maybe an annual conference. But we now have our virtual capabilities. We have, you know, a lot more opportunity to engage with our members. We just went through, as you talked about at the top of the show, a, a sort of a, a redesign of our NAPAC Connect and how our members can engage with one another and within and within our organization. Um, but we launched this podcast and we, you know, if you remember, Adam, we sort of started this as a recap of all the activities we were doing each week at the height of the pandemic because we knew people were being pulled in so many different directions. So they may not have been able to be on every webinar. So, but then they could go and listen to the podcast and sort of get the top five takeaways from that webinar. And we've continued and really obviously built out the podcast, but we've also implemented our public policy speaker series where we're bringing legislators right to our members to talk about the issues in the moment. Um, but that's also been twofold. It's been an opportunity for us to be able to talk to the legislators about who we are and who our members are and, and why we all come together as a trade association. You know, we've been able to introduce our members to pro-business candidates who from both both sides of the aisle that are coming up that potentially they're going to have to work with in Congress next year. Um you know, we have roundtables, we we convene our members, you know, virtually and in person just to sort of, you know, talk about whatever it is is on their mind, the challenges that our members are facing, and really to help each other troubleshoot and, and share best practices and ideas um, that then actually informs us as an organization on where we want to go with our programming and what kind of events we want to put on and what kind of topics we want to speak about. You know, Adam, we've been very intentional about not really planning like everything out in a year advance because we're trying to program in the moment and we're trying to program to address the issues that our members are facing right now in this very moment. And so those roundtables have just been invaluable insight for us to kind of gauge what the issues are across the board within our membership. So in addition to our luncheons, in addition to the two hotlines that are so popular, in our conferences, you know, we have an extensive mentorship program that I don't think a lot of people know about. And it's really been a, a successful program for us because then you have that sort of person, you know, you can pick up the phone anytime and just say, hey, I could really use your help on X, Y, and Z. So we have expanded the avenues from which you can engage within our organization. And there's really, I think I said it earlier, there's kind of something for everyone uh, and, and, and really understanding that everyone is so busy, can't possibly come to every event, but hopefully we've provided enough different avenues that you can find something. 
And ultimately, every single one of the people on this staff are committed. As you were talking there, I was thinking a little bit about our recurring episodes with Amy Adams and David Shield. And I know that both of them are leaders in our space. They're amazing practitioners. But one thing that they both remind me constantly is to take a look around at the context of your business and understand what's going on for your people. Your solicitations and the cause that you're pulling for and pulling people together for is critically important, there's no doubt. But we can't live in a vacuum program so far in advance that when it gets down to tactics, that week we're going to do this, that turned out to be a very tough week, hard decisions being made, inappropriate perhaps to be pushing this, that, or the other thing. So keeping an ear open and listening, it's the best thing that you can do in our space, both with your own membership and from learning from others. And, you know, I guess in the end, Michaela, that's why you made the decision that we were going to take this podcast and put it in the public domain. It's a niche audience that we service, but we're not hiding from anyone. And we're very proud of what we do and how we do it. We, we really are. And, and I think too, Adam, at the end of the day, we, we are here to serve our members. And I think I say, I'll just end it with this. If we, if we don't have something for you, we will find it. We will get you an answer or we will create it. And I think that sets us apart. Well, that does it for this unplugged edition of the Facts About PAX podcast. Subscribe. Meet us right back here next week.